Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. Mark, what a wonderful job done by William. He's been working on that. I appreciate that song, Books of the Bible. Mark chapter number 6 is where we're at. We're continuing in our journey through the gospel, the marvelous gospel according to Mark. And we have found Jesus fast at work. He's been healing and preaching as He said He came to do, to preach the gospel. He's been again healing and preaching. And chapter 6 we're going to find is no different as he is healing, continuing, and preaching, teaching. But chapter 6 is going to be just a little bit different as we find the lesson that's here today is maybe for just a slightly different crowd, if you will. The crowd that's going to learn the lesson today is going to be Oh, maybe just a smaller crowd, a crowd of twelve. Twelve is going to learn a lesson. At least we hope they will. The disciples, as Jesus called them, they learned several lessons throughout the ministry of Jesus Christ, but as they learned several lessons, they also missed a few, didn't they? makes me wonder in our life how many lessons we miss. I would suffice to say that I've missed a lesson or two in my Christian life. And I would dare say you probably have as well. Well, this morning in Mark chapter 6, I want to pick up reading in verse number 1. We'll start there. We'll gain some context to the chapter. Then we'll make some needed application. Let's begin reading in verse 1 this morning. The Bible says, And he went out from thence, and came into his own country, and his disciples follow him. When the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And with what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, and of Judah and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? Look at this next phrase. They were offended at him. Jesus said unto them, The prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, among his own kin, and in his own house. Look at this next phrase again. He could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk, 
He healed them. He marveled because of their unbelief. He went round about the villages teaching. I want to preach this morning a message from Mark chapter 6 entitled, The Danger of Displeasure, Unbelief, and a Hard Heart in the Christian Life. That's a long title, let me say it again, just so you can get it. The Danger of Displeasure, Unbelief, and a Hard Heart in the Christian life. Now I say that, and I give this title, because I know that in the Christian life, there's probably been a time in your life that you have been displeased with the circumstances that have happened in your life. I know that there's been a time in your life that you have had some unbelief as to what's happened or what's been going on. And I know that there's probably been a time in your life that you've had a hard heart as to what's been happening in your life. But there's some dangers to it. We're going to see it here in Mark chapter 6 as to what happens, what can happen when that happens in your life. Let's pray this morning and we'll jump right into this. Let's pray together, shall we? Our Father in heaven, I thank you. God, for you give us such chapters as this in Mark chapter 6. And Father, I pray this morning as we go through this, God, that you would open our hearts and minds to what you would have for us. God, as we get into this chapter, I know it's a familiar portion of Scripture, and so God, I... I ask that you would help us and, and to draw from it today. God, that the familiarity of what's taking place within this chapter would not distract us to uh, be uh, carried off into some other place besides what's happening over these next few moments, but God, that we would be uh, zeroed in on what you are doing in our life. God, that you would Bring us to the place that we would not miss what is right before us. God, if there's any amount of displeasure or unbelief or any hardness within our hearts here today, God, that you would deal appropriately with us. Father, most, most importantly, that we would deal appropriately with you, that we would remove the displeasure, the unbelief, and the hardness that might be resting upon our hearts, that we would see all that you're doing in our midst, that we would react appropriately. God, Help us in this. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. In these first six verses, we again come to a chapter that at first glance 
that what's happening within doesn't seem to gel together and go together. But when you put it all together, it makes a whole lot of sense as to what's happening here. So let me, again, draw some context as to what's taking place within this chapter. As Jesus comes to His hometown, He begins to teach. You see, as what we just read, the people are astonished. They are completely impressed with the eloquence the teaching style and what's taking place in Jesus' life, that they begin asking the questions as to who is this and what is this that Jesus is teaching? They say, we know this guy. Look at the wisdom that he has. Look at the works that are done by his hands. But then the attitude that they begin to ask is simply amazing that they want to know basically who does he think he is? I mean, that's really what they're asking here. Because they say, with what wisdom is this that's given to him that he can do these mighty works that are wrought by his hands and then they ask, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And then it says, and they were offended at him. Now that word offended simply means that they were displeased with him. They were not happy with him. They wanted to know, who does he think he is? You ever felt that way about anyone? Who does he think he is? Total displeasure. You see, as they were totally displeased with Jesus, Jesus knew it. And so he comes in, in verse number 4, and he says this phrase, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. He says, it's okay. I understand. And I think some of the saddest words in Scripture in verse number 5, as the Bible says, and he could there do no mighty work. And then it says he marveled. In verse 6, because of their unbelief. And I want you to see this first point this morning, the first danger of displeasure and unbelief, is it hindered what He wanted to do in their lives. You see that? I mean, think about this. Everywhere Jesus went, He went with a purpose. We've already seen that in the book of Mark. Everywhere Jesus went, He went with a purpose in mind. He went with a job to do. I don't doubt for a moment, I don't doubt for a minute, that when Jesus went into His own country, He went with a purpose in mind. When He went into the synagogue, He went with a purpose in mind. He went with a purpose of heart. But He was received with displeasure and unbelief. 
And with that displeasure and with that unbelief, it hindered what he could do. Do you see it? Do you see it? But yet, he still did a work. Isn't that amazing? I mean, here's all these people that are like, who does he think he is? Who does he think he is? And yet Jesus still healed some folks in spite of their attitude. But the danger of displeasure, the danger of unbelief, is it hinders what God wants to do in our lives. I want you to think for a moment about your life. And I want you to think about your own displeasure. Think about your circumstances. Think about your own displeasure. I know you've had it. I know you've, I know things haven't gone the way that you wanted them to go. What have you hindered? It's hard to think about, isn't it? I think back through my own life. I think back to times where I've been displeased. And I think about, what did I miss? What did I hinder God from doing in my life during those times of displeasure? Sad thing is, I'll never know. Because I wasted it and I squandered it. But it says, He could there do no mighty work. Look, hey, I, I, I challenged our church just a few moments ago. I said, hey, let's try a 40-day fast. Now look, I, I'm not, you, you could be totally displeased in that. You could be, you could say, I, I, I'm not doing that. <clears throat> the dumbest thing ever. You know what? You might miss something. You might hinder something. You might hinder God doing something in your life because you're displeased with the dumbest thing ever. That's how it works. Maybe not. I don't want to take that chance. Now, you don't have to pray and fast. All I'm saying is, don't be displeased with the ones that will. Amen? Amen. Just don't be displeased. Don't be offended. Drink your caffeine and let the rest of us not. I'll drink my caffeine. It's fine. I'm not going to be offended if you do. Amen? Amen. I promise you. I, listen, I promise you, I will not be. You can come 
You can come in my office during days one through 10 with a Dunkin' Donuts coffee and a donut, and I will not be offended. You will not offend me at all. You can come in with two cups of coffee, double-fisted. I will not be offended in the least. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to post about you because I'll be fasting from social media. Uh, Because displeasure hinders, hinders God from doing a work. It's that simple. He could do no mighty work. Why? Because they were offended. Why were they offended? Because he was doing mighty works. Does that even make sense, y'all? No. Makes no sense to me. That's all he was doing. Now look, that's point number one. That's probably the fastest point. Displeasure and unbelief. He marveled at their unbelief. Now, we're going to go through this next section really, really fast. Verse 7 through 14, he sends his disciples out to learn how to be offended. He sends them out two by two. He says, you go out and preach. He says, and fellas, when you go out and you preach, don't worry when people don't accept it and they get offended. And by the way, when they don't listen, just dust your feet off and keep going. Amen. Then what happens next is simply amazing. In verse 13 and the verses following, basically what happens is John the Baptist gets arrested and is killed. We're going to go through that pretty fast. That is, it's a big deal, because John the Baptist was a big deal, amen? I mean, John the Baptist, Jesus said, was the greatest born among women. Big, big deal. But if we spend a lot of time on it, we are not going to get out on time. But they had John the Baptist beheaded. They brought the head of John the Baptist on a platter. It was a horrific event. The disciples and Jesus had got word about it. And I want to drop down to verse number 31. Or verse 30. It says, The apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told Him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. So they just told Jesus about what happened to John the Baptist. Herod had him killed executed, beheaded, and all of this. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. Now stop there just for a moment. So we got to set this scene here. So first part, Jesus goes into his own country. They pretty much reject him, and he could there do no mighty work. He sends his disciples out. They're now rejected. They're busy working. They're busy about the ministry. All the while, John the Baptist gets beheaded. The disciples are busy. 
I mean, they're busy, and they're, I mean, they barely have time to stop and eat. Now John the Baptist is dead. They're tired. They're weary. And you can imagine, okay? I mean, you, you know emotions. I mean, you know the disciples had emotions. Yeah, they had emotions. They just found out that really one of their heroes, a man that they looked up to, a man that they trusted, a man that they respected, not only died, but died tragically. I mean, gut-wrenching. So Jesus says, let's, let's go to the desert, and let's, let's just rest a while. So the disciples are like, yeah, let's go. Whew. Finally, let me get some rest. Whew. So they get in the ship, and they go. And look at verse 33. And the people saw them departing. And many people knew him and ran afoot thither out of all cities and outwent them and came together unto him. Okay, stop there. Y'all see what just happened? You see it? So Jesus says to his disciples, Okay, guys, I understand. Let's, let's go out into a desert place by ourselves, and we'll, we'll rest a while. So they get into a ship. The people see them leaving. They know where they're going. And they beat them there. So when the, they get there, there's a crowd of people waiting on them. How's that for a vacation? They go to get away from people, and when they get there, the people are waiting on them. Look what happens. Jesus, when He came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd and he began to teach them many things and when the day was now far spent his disciples came unto him and said this is a desert place and now the time is far past send them away that they may go into the country round about them and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. Okay. Now notice this. When Je It says, And Jesus, when He came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion. Now you got to read into a few things here. This says, And when Jesus came out, not Jesus and His disciples. Jesus was moved with compassion. The disciples were moved with irritation. I'm going to show you this here in just a moment. Okay? I just want you to know this, though. While Jesus was moved with compassion, the disciples were moved with irritation. How many are wondering, how do I know that? Anybody wondering? Okay, I'm going to show you. 
but you've got to read into it just a little bit. Here's how, here's how we know this. First of all, the disciples were moved with irritation because they waited until it, the day was far spent when they came to Jesus and said, first off, this is a desert place. Now, one, somebody tell me, whose idea was it to go to the desert? Jesus. So why are they telling Jesus, whose idea it was to go to the desert, where they were? Wasn't it obvious to Jesus where they were? It was kind of his idea, wasn't it? Hey, Jim, we're in church. You knew that, though, didn't you? Yeah, kind of obvious. <laughs> we're in church. It's obvious. Nobody says that when it's obvious, but unless you're irritated. Hey, Jesus, this is the desert place. That's obvious sign number one. They have nothing to eat. Obvious sign number two. Now, you've got to go down a little further to see obvious sign number three, and that's in verse number 45, when all of this is over. The Bible says, And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship. So, what's happened here, and I'm kind of getting ahead here, Jesus just fed, and I'm getting ahead because you know the story. Jesus just fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. And after he fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes, he constrained the disciples to get into the ship. Now, the word constrained means he forced them to get into the ship and leave. He forced them because they were irritated. They didn't want to be there. They were tired of being there. And Jesus finally said, you know what, you guys, just go. They were done with the people. And you know what happens when we have a hard heart? It often causes us to mistreat the people that we should have compassion on. Jesus comes out and he says, hey, let's go to the desert place and come apart for a while. The disciples are like, oh yeah, that'd be great. We haven't had much time to rest. We haven't had much time to rest. Yeah. Come apart privately. And all the people are there. Jesus has compassion. The disciples, yeah, they, they put up with it for a little while. First thing they say, send them away. Send them away. Just get rid of them. This is a desert place. The time is far spent. This is not Jesus. This is not what we came here to do. This is not what we came here to do. 
We didn't come out here to minister. We didn't come here to... We, we did not... We did not come to church to minister to people. Think about that for a moment. Hold on, wait a second. If we ever get to a place as a church that we forget the church is about ministry, we've messed up somewhere, haven't we? We've messed up. You know what? Here's what's crazy. Jesus says, watch, watch. They said, send them away. They don't have anything to eat. Jesus says, well, they don't have anything to eat. Give them something to eat. Hold on. When we have a hard heart, we miss treat the people we should have compassion on. You see, Jesus said, look at this. Watch this. Check this out. Send them away. They have nothing to eat. Jesus said, well, give them something to eat. Verse 37. And they said, look what they said. Shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them something to eat? They said, wait, Jesus. You want us to go spend money on these people? I wonder if it was Judas that said that. I don't know if it was or not. But somebody said, wait, you want us to go spend money on these people? He said, well, how many loaves do you have? Now, somebody at some point said, I don't know. You know how I know that? Because he said, go and look. Well, we know the story. Somebody came back and said, five loaves, two fishes. So Jesus said, make everybody sit down. So they all sat down in hundreds and fifties. So they took the five loaves and the two fishes and he looked up into heaven and he blessed it. And he broke the loaves and he gave it to the disciples and he set before them the two fish, the five loaves and two fishes, divided it among them all and they did all eat and were filled. And check this out. They took up 12 baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes. And they did all, and they did eat of the loaves and were about 5,000 men. Hey, somebody help me here. Check this out. Five loaves, two fishes, and they had more leftovers than what they started with. How does that possible? Hey, hold on. Hold on. Jesus, send them away. We don't have any food. 
They should have had compassion, but they didn't. Jesus said, they don't have any food. Give them something to eat. Here's what I don't want you to miss. Even with a hard heart, what did the disciples do? What did they do? They still fed them. They still served. Here's what I don't want you to miss this morning. This is, now listen, sit up straight. This is what I do. This is what I do when I'm teaching little kids. I'm like, sit up straight and tall. Pay attention. <laughs> you don't want to miss this. Some of you came to church this morning. You're here. You came with a hard heart. I know I'm meddling. That's why I whispered. But you came to church this morning with a hard heart. Because it's possible. It's possible to serve with a hard heart. It's possible to teach a Sunday school class with a hard heart. Hey, 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 it's possible to preach with a hard heart. possible to sing a special with a hard heart. It's possible to sit in a pew. It's possible to go visit visitation with a hard heart. It's possible to feed a crowd with a hard heart. There's a danger to it. It's possible to do all of that and have zero compassion for who you serve. See, that's the danger. Oh, yeah, they did it. They served. But when it was all over, Jesus had to constrain them. So, you know what? Just get on the boat. That is exactly what happened, folks. And straightway, it says, that means right away. Because they gathered up all the fragments. And you can imagine. You can imagine. I've seen it. I have seen it. How many have children? Raise your hand. How many have children? How many of you ever, how many of you ever told your children something to do? And yeah, they did it. They gathered the fragments. And it's like, just give me the basket and go to your room. Am I right? Just give me the stupid basket and go to your room. He constrained them. Ship now. By force. I'll send them away. Why? Because Jesus had compassion. So Jesus sent the people away. And then Jesus went to a mountain and he prayed. 
Here's where it gets good. Because the evening comes, the disciples are in the boat, and man, this is awesome. They're rowing. They're rowing. And they're rowing. And they're rowing, and you know what? They're going nowhere. And when I say they're going nowhere, I'm serious. They're going nowhere, and they're rowing. They're not even on a rowing machine, but they're going nowhere. That's what the Bible says. It's actually kind of humorous, honestly. Verse 47, When the evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them, and about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea. And here's how I know they were going nowhere. Check this out. He's walking upon the sea and would have passed by them. Hold on a second. What are they doing? They're rowing. What is he doing? He's walking. And he would have passed by them. You don't walk on the sea and pass by the rowers, folks. <laughs> it's okay to laugh, I promise. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. They all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship. The wind ceased. They were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. And here's the fourth reason I know the disciples were not happy with the people and they had a hard heart. It was verse 52. As the Bible tells us, For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Listen, their hard heart caused them to mistreat the people they should have had compassion on. Number three, their hard heart caused them to miss the miracle that he did right in front of them. Let me give you this real quickly. First of all, the Bible says he would have passed by them. He would have passed by them, but they saw him walking. They almost missed him. They're, oh man, they're rowing. They're rowing, but they're going nowhere. You want to know why you're going nowhere sometimes in your Christian life? Because your heart's so hard. It just won't let you go on. Why am I going nowhere in my Christian life? There's a Christian comedian. As a, as a punchline, he uses the punchline often, check your heart. Yeah. 
I don't use that as a punchline this morning. I use it as a, as a serious line this morning. You might want to check your heart. If it's hard this morning, that may be the reason why you're toiling. There's not seeming to go anywhere. And Jesus just comes strolling by and walking by. He would have passed by. Had they not cried out. They thought he was a ghost. They thought he was a spirit. And he just says, hey, be of good cheer, it is I. Now you got to understand, Mark, I told you, Mark is a compact gospel. He, you have to insert here between verses 50 and 51, this is the part where Peter hollers out from the boat, Lord, if that's you, you let me come out on that water with you. And Jesus says, come on. Peter jumps out of that boat and walks on the water with him. Right up until the point he begins to sink. Right up until the point that he says, Lord, save me. Right up until the point that Jesus reaches out and touches Peter's hand and pulls him up. And they walk to the boat together. They get into the boat together. And the very moment they get into the boat without saying a word, the wind ceases. And they were sore amazed, it says. Beyond measure, they wondered. Yet the Bible says they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hard. Wait a second. Wait a second. They were there. Hold on. They were in the midst of it, they were in the middle of it. They were right in the middle of it. They were serving. They held the baskets. They heard the prayer. They watched Jesus break the fish. They watched Jesus take the loaves and break it all up. They set the people down. They served in the middle of it. Didn't even consider. Not for a moment. The miracle that was done right before their eyes. Because their heart was hard. See, the danger there. Check your heart. I'm not asking you this morning to check your hair. Check your oh. Do I have anything on my Do I look good? You know, we get so caught up. How do I look? You know, I'd rather come in looking like this. I all crooked. I'd, I'd go into Walmart looking like this. People make fun of me. I don't care. I used to. I used to care. Then I had kids. 
I sat in a restaurant one time with a napkin in my nose on this nostril, a napkin in my nose on this nostril, just because my kids were embarrassed. I don't care what I look like anymore. I don't. But also, found out that God sees what you can't. I can straighten all of this up. And God still sees what you can't. I can war, I can toil. My heart is hard. There's a danger. There's a danger. I can serve all day long and miss what God is doing right in front of me. Here's the amazing thing, though. You see, this is where you and I are so much different. In God. Watch this. Okay? Because remember, I'm a dad. I have kids. This is where I'm different. My if justice, if justice is a knucklehead, he is. Okay. And and I tell him, you know, hey man, we're we're gonna go get some ice cream. Because he likes ice cream. Well, really, I like ice cream, so uh, so if I tell him we're going to get some ice cream, and then he does something exceptionally stupid, you know what I do? I say, no ice cream, man. Uh-uh. I am yanking that ice cream away. And you know what I say? That's good parenting. Check this out. And I think that is probably good parenting. I think I reserve the right to change my mind. Did you see what Jesus did in his own country? When they said, who does he think he is? Now, he could there do no mighty work. He still healed a few set folks. It doesn't say he did there no work. He still did some work. When the disciples came and said, send them away, and they had a hard heart, and they missed the miracle, He still did the miracle. Did he not? He still did the miracle. Folks, that is glorious. I don't know if you get that or not. That's glorious stuff right there. He still did the miracle. 
He, sent, he constrained them to get in the ship and walk to them on the water and He would have passed by and He didn't have to say a word to them. But He said, be of good cheer. Again, that's the difference between us and God. I'm upset with my son, and he says, and he's afraid of me, and I'm like, it's right, you better be afraid of me. You better sit over there in fear of me, you disobedient boy. Right? That's what we do. But Jesus says, be of good cheer. If that's you, Lord, you bid me to come out of the water with you. And he says, come on. Peter walks to him. Peter says, Lord, save me. And Jesus is right there and pulls him up. And he asks his disciples, how is it that ye have no faith? And then the wind ceases. And their hard heart. Hopefully it learned. How do we get past it? How do we get past it? Well, we have to see these things. We have to see them. What's the application? Let me give it to you. Again, we often hinder what God wants to do. We often mistreat those who we should be ministering to. We often miss the miracles that God is doing right before our eyes. That makes us ask the question, what is God doing in my life? What's God doing? Well, if we didn't have a hard heart, we'd probably see it. What's the danger, we ask? Well, the danger is missing what God has already done. It's time to examine your heart. When we give an invitation at the end of a sermon, that's, that's the purpose. The purpose of the invitation that we're about to give is for you to stop and to say, okay, heart check. Where's my heart? How's my heart? Is it hard? Is it soft? Is it in between? Lord, how's my heart? And let God answer. You see, remember one of the questions we ask someone, I asked Bob a moment ago, Bob, how do I look? Now, Bob's supposed to tell me the truth. Because I can't see. Amen? He could have been storying to me. I don't think he was. But you know, I, I will tell you, I have a mirror at home. I like the mirror because the mirror stories to me. It's, a, it's one of those, it's a taller mirror. But the mirror is not true. It makes me look thinner. It does. And I know it's not true because I know what I look like. But when I look in that mirror, I look taller and I look thinner. And I say, seriously, man, I'm like, I'm like I like this mirror. And so that's the one that hangs in my room. But I know it's not true. But it makes me feel good before I leave. 
So I look in it before I leave. Just being real. Some of us, we look in that mirror for our lives. And we know it's not real. But that's what we examine in. Don't examine in that mirror right now. Speak to the Lord. Say, Lord, I don't want to examine my own heart. Ask the Holy Spirit right now. Where is my heart? Let the Lord try you right now. Is your heart hard? If it is, ask Him to soften it. He will. He will. If it's hard, you might have to ask Him, Lord, why is my heart hard? And what do I need to do to soften it? Lord, help me. Soften my heart. That's the invitation. That's what this is for. Lord, help me to soften my heart. You say, my heart's already softened, Pastor. Well, ask the Lord to help you keep it soft. Because there's a danger of displeasure. There's a danger in disbelief. There's a danger in a hard heart in the Christian life. Because there's so much we'll miss. Don't miss what God is doing. Let's bow for prayer.